0: Welcome to Shhh! The Secret Podcast. And now your hosts, J.M. and Bernstein. Welcome
1: to another edition of The Secret Podcast. This month we are going to be discussing Image 11 and Verse 3. The clues in those two pieces which have led us to one of the oldest cities in America. The American Revolution started there. It's a city with so much history, it would be impossible for us to cover it in one episode. It's the home of the ever-relevant Red Sox and the Patriots and Sam Adams beer. It's the birthplace for a great diversity of people from Ben Franklin to Mark Wahlberg, uh, Ted Kennedy to Steve Carell. Leonard Bernstein was born there. James Spader, Edgar Allan Poe. It's a wide range of culture. It's an amazing city. I used to live there myself. I'm talking about Beantown, baby. It's Boston. This episode. And who better to talk to me about Boston is someone who's never been there and probably has no knowledge of it. Please welcome all the way from St. Augustine, Florida, my friend and co host, Mr. George Ward. He's been going through some recovery lately how are your
0: legs uh everything's fine i think i'm gonna take a break man this is just way too much this is getting horrible (laughs) like once you start getting injured looking for this it's time to just you know pause let's reflect on life
1: let's take a minute to just talk about this you've been looking around saint augustine and it's led you to a very uh treacherous area
0: yeah, it's an area just covered in vines where you can't really see where you're walking. So much so that I walked into a well oh. and broke my leg. Yeah, no lassie jokes, man. It was literally. I mean, it's not a deep well. It's like a two foot well, but I fell into it into some some briars. Like we got. Do you think that was the real fountain of youth, though? What you fell into. <laughs> yeah, that's what Ponce was searching for. The thorns. <laughs> We got these palm trees, right, that when they grow really small, instead of palm farns or whatever you call them, instead of the leaves, basically, you get these, like, two-inch spikes. Imagine, like, the sharpest needle point thorn you could ever have, like, and one, like, jabbed into my cheek, oh. and all in my arms. Yeah, oh. I should... I showed...
1: <laughs> Those briars are terrible. Those briar bushes are just awful.
0: I showed you pictures, right? Like, my arm was all cut up, my legs were all cut up, and I broke my foot. So that sucked. We've had some adventures too, right? You went up to that, um, that movie premiere. How was that? So Kit and I went up to the movie premiere and it was a
1: blast. It, we, <laughs> we drove to this, it, it was kind of outside the main downtown. It was an alternative site. It was, it was really difficult because the two movies that they were playing were the documentary that James Renner made and then another one about ALS, about a New Hampshire principal that got ALS is very touching, very sad, really well done. Good movie, but very sad the order that they were going to play them in was they were going to play the ALS uh, short first and then James's movie. And then I was asked to get up to take some questions at the end with Kit and kind of do a little uh, song and dance, so to speak. So I stood up before the movie and I announced who I was and that I'd be talking a little bit about the, uh, the second movie after the showing was over. And we sat down, and the first movie they played was James's movie, and then they closed with the ALS documentary. So then I had to get up there and speak after this just very uh, depressing, heartwarming—I don't know what you would just tearjerker of a of a short documentary. And I didn't know what to say, man. What do you say when you?
0: Hi, my name is John, and I have Lou Gehrig's disease. I also built this cast. It
1: was being shown this alternative site was in the auditorium of looked like a very nice retirement home. So there were a lot of uh you know uh, older people there at the
0: documentary. <laughs> That's the the secret's target market.
1: <laughs> so anyway, I was trying to be cordial and I just you know I I just said I look, I really don't know how to follow that uh and got a few Strange laughs, and that kind of made things better. But it was pretty interesting. Some of uh, our friends are in the movie, and there's some interesting sites that we've all seen that are visited. Overall, I'd say if you didn't know anything about The Secret already and you watched the documentary, it would probably bring you into being interested in finding out more about it. It didn't go into a lot of great detail about clues. It was just kind of a beginner's guide to it, I guess. A lot of people were interviewed about it, and it was made in a way that was succinct you know, it, it's a short film. It's about an hour long or something. So it didn't really drag out. There's Ben Ason is in it. Uh, Sandy talks uh, quite a bit. Andy and Brian are in it for some very funny moments. And, you know, overall, if you like The Secret, you'll probably want to see it and check it out.
0: But nothing groundbreaking. It's all information that's like years
1: old, right? It's kind of a recap of some old information and some... Uh, There's some funny, interesting moments in it. It's not a introspective documentary where facts are checked and there's all kinds of moving graphics. It's more of a take on one man looking.
0: Did they dig at the lion? No, they.
1: (laughs) No, there was the Milwaukee footage. I guess was cut out. So there was a lot that we've seen in previews and things that James shared on his blog that were not actually in it. So some of that stuff is like bonus footage. There's more that was filmed then was put in it and the documentary itself kind of goes into uh some of that when you watch it so
0: So the movie was okay yeah it's been torn in the community like some people have said it's going to be horrible some people have been like they're going to make fun of everybody some people have been like oh no james will treat it respectfully it was a decent primer i can say that probably
1: all of that drama that you mentioned is probably incorporated into it in some way shape or fashion but it's not as horrible as the tsunami of uh comments were making it out that it would be i didn't think it was so horrible kid expressed some worry about how his dad might have been portrayed and himself he was interviewed in in the movie just for a brief moment, and he expressed some worry about, we all worried how we were going to be portrayed, and I could say that it's not as bad as people may think, but in the same respect, it's nothing groundbreaking, like you said, it's a lot of stuff that, if you've been on this hunt for a year or two, three years, then... You're going to find it, you know, mildly interesting at best. And I think you'll appreciate, though, some of the characters that are in the storyline of the documentary. So it is a documentary, but it's also just, you know, one person or two people, so to speak, take on the secret. So it's like what we do every
0: month. Hmm. Yeah, but we're factual.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, we go into a little more detail he does about 70 minutes and we do, you know, close to that almost every podcast. So it's like a a podcast, but done by James Renner with a lot of pictures. Like I said, it's not as bad as a lot of people were fearful of it being. It was very, um, uh, you'll just have to watch it and judge for yourself. I don't want to say too much about it. It's still being shown at film festivals and you'll have to go find one of these film festivals to to see it.
0: People will get a chance to see it like it's still being toured. Yeah,
1: it seems like he's trying to get it into more film festivals. I haven't spoken with him.
0: That's actually kind of cool. Like I documentaries, like if you get a chance to see some small-time documentary in the theater, even if like it's not a good documentary. You should take that chance, especially if the filmmakers there, it means so much to the people that put, you know, time into that movie to see it on a big screen and
1: Yeah, maybe it'll end up on Hulu or Netflix or something at some point, but
0: Oh, dear God, please don't end up on Hulu or Netflix.
1: (laughs) But anyway, we're talking about Boston on this episode. It's like New York in a sense that there's a lot of stuff going on here, and it seems very, very complicated when you first look at it. And when we discuss cities on the podcast, normally we break them down into like a walkthrough that I cover, and George kind of denies or agrees with me on points.
0: Oh, I'm going to deny. (laughs)
1: we kind of go over what we feel the clues mean and how we got to a specific park or area and showing how things connect. This month, George and I are just going to discuss this puzzle from a different perspective. We're going to talk about what we see in the verse and the image, the clues, so to speak, and discuss what those things could possibly mean and how one might interpret them or a couple different alternate ways to interpret them, We're just going to see what we think and what we figure out going over the same set of clues. So what I've done is I've listed out all of the things in the image that I think are clues, and George probably has a few that I don't know about, and we're going to discuss them and go over what we see and what we think they might apply to. Sound fair? Sounds fair. We'll start with the image. Let's talk about numbers, because that seems to be the first thing that everybody would want to look for when trying to figure out what city they're supposed to be in. And there's numbers in a lot of them, as we know.
0: But there's a lot of numbers in this one, like a crazy amount of numbers. And they're all the same numbers. Like something that tells me these numbers are important.
1: And there's also different. Depending on how you interpret numbers, if you look at code and stuff like that, there could be an endless supply of numbers buried in this thing. So we'll talk about some of that here in a minute. First off, I'll just say Boston's longitude-latitude coordinates are 71 and 42, roughly. I think it's 42.3 or something, but roughly 42 and 71. Right above this shape that looks like a globe, that you'd see in your classroom we have what looks like a group of numbers they've been read and interpreted in different ways by different people and they've all come up with different numbers some people think that it looks like a 42 with a 22 below it some say the top one is 112 and if you turn it upside down you can see a 71 and possibly a 72 there's all kinds of interpretations Someone from our group had figured out that if you read the numbers backwards, it forms a zip code for the north end of Boston. So there's those numbers, and that's just one set of them. So have you seen anything? And also there's a little uh, circle next to the 42 or the 112, depending on how you see it. Did you see anything else in that little cluster that I'm speaking of above the globe by the flower there?
0: I mean, no, not really. But I'm like... I don't, I didn't really look, to be honest. Like the Chicago dudes, they didn't know. They didn't solve three quarters of the clues when they found the treasure. I feel like as long as you know certain things, you don't need to dig super deep into these paintings, right? Agreed, but we should,
1: you know, go over all the clues and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be
0: stuff that people know about already. What I mean is I haven't gone too deep into, like, I mean, those numbers there, I agree. They're either latitude or longitude coordinates or zip code or whatever, but we've gotten to Boston, so I haven't focused too much, like, on the flower or whatever. I didn't focus too much on it because we're already in Boston. Like, I don't really need much else. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. And there might be some other things hidden in there. It's a very weird kind of. Right to the right of the flower above the globe. It's not just the numbers. There's some other things there kind of popping out. So
0: You're talking about, like, to the right of the numbers, the arrow crack and all of the little dots and circles. and. Just below the
1: numbers, if you look, there's some more little kind oh, yeah, of yeah, yeah. blue. Yeah, yeah, okay. ind- I don't know what that is, but it certainly looks like it, it would be something. So just pointing that out for the sake. If we're counting Roman numerals or lines in the stone circle around the figure, you know, where the head is, there's also two lines together, two single lines. There's also what looks like a number four or a nine up there. There's those possible numbers.
0: You know, what was it once? I think it was on the wiki, but I think it came from something awful originally, where somebody had found a sidewalk that when you stretched out the circle, it matched like that perfectly like the sidewalk it had some work done to it oh yeah yeah right it was awesome like even the crack in the sidewalk matched the crack in the circle I don't remember
1: where it was, though. That's an area right by Charles Gate Park. That's interesting you said that. Was that the same guy
0: that went to try to dig under concrete and broke his wrist? Ah, that dude came back. His name was IXE. He came back today, actually. It's super awesome. He said that uh, he did not break his wrist like everybody thought. He just you know, has a (laughs) life and a family, unlike the rest of us. And he's like, yeah, I took a break.
1: Oh, poor
0: guy. Doesn't mean that much to me. So, uh, yeah, he's back now and going after the same thing, I think, uh, the same solve he had before. It was Letterman feel. At least we think maybe, you know, whatever he did say. I got a life. I got a family. I might dig it up. I might not. All right. He's back in the groove. He's back in the groove.
1: On with these numbers. There's also uh, a two and a four on the left wristband of the figure. Her left arm, not the left side. It'd be the right side of the painting. Stage left. So there's the four and the two in that wristband, and then there's also something that looks like a seven or uh, some kind of shape on the figure's right arm, sort of like an uh, armband up there. If you count the verse itself, it has 18 lines in it. And then we also have these two lines that follow the outline of the stone circle. The left side looks like it might have some kind of writing in it, but it's too indistinguishable to really be able to say for certain. I saw some posting about that, too, as well. People were trying to figure out what was written in there. Because it does look like something, but it's very hard to to distinguish what that would be.
0: Forrest figured out a way to get rid of noise in these images and figure out what's been lost due to improper printing. And he applied that technique to this and still couldn't figure out what that said. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's possible that it's just, was it paradoilia, Whatever. It's possible it's right. just brushstrokes that we're reading as something. But God, I could swear I see the and something else in that line. It does
1: look like there might be something in yeah, there for sure. I was trying to look at it today, too, is turning it all different kind of ways. To, and it was there was a D and I thought some other letters in there, but I couldn't put anything together. And I was pointing out these lines that kind of go. It, it's kind of like a cutout around the bottom half of the stone circle. Do you see how that it looks like that? And then there's a line coming up on the other side, but it doesn't really cut in. Yep. Who knows what that is either. That could be something important as well. It certainly looks uh, somewhat out of place and like it would be a clue jammed in there. And there's all kinds of shapes on this scarf that's hanging down. There's squares with dots and triangles and shaded squares and non-shaded squares and shapes everywhere in the image. So if you're counting numbers in that way, in coded ways... Then there could be more numbers yet. There's 15 black and gold squares on the bottom side of the globe object where the stand would be, I guess. Some think that these are eight golden notches to signify August as our month to match the the jewel for Italy. There's that. So now we'll get to some things that are a little more interesting and away from the numbers. If you look at the, the image, one of the things that stands out is there's a peregrine falcon sitting on a perch shaped like a T. The wing and the tail feather of the falcon look a little funny. I, you know, there might be something in there, but we should point out that the uh, mass transit system in Boston is called the T. I lived in Boston for a very short time, George. Did you know that?
0: I did not know that.
1: I did. Where have you not lived, John? There's quite a few places, but Boston was one place I did live. Lived in a uh, 150-year-old or 200-year-old house in Dorchester. Oh, nice. Dorchester, as they say. It was great. I was coming from New York, so this is about 2003, 2004. I was living in New York, and I was a Yankees fan, and I moved up to this, you know, rooming situation with three other people about my age at the time, and they were all Red Sox fans. This was during that, that whole big World Series battle where they uh, you know lost 19 to one one of the games, and they lost the year prior. So it was uh, a lot of fun living up in Boston being a Yankees fan surrounded by Red Sox fans. You
0: know something's weird about Boston today, man, so many weird things have happened. like we decided to do this podcast, right? We're preparing for the podcast. All of a sudden, today comes. We're gonna record the podcast, and the dude from Something Awful pops back up. And my dad, my dad's is retired, more or less. For fun, he buys like storage units and sells them to thrift shops and shit. He I don't know. He, it's like treasure hunting for old people, I think. Is he on that show, Storage War? No, no, but he so wants to be on that show. <laughs> so today he, he bought some random storage unit, right? And he found a baseball signed by the 1951 Red Sox.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah, it's super crazy. It's like Ted Williams is right there, Whoa. and then like the the manager of the Red Sox is above it. It's like twenty one or twenty two people on the fifty one Red Sox team. It's crazy. That's amazing. A lot of strange energy for Boston
1: today. I don't know what Those it is, Sox. and it's it's Halloween and the Sox. Yeah, and I'm in Los Angeles. I did, I did do a gig two nights ago at a club Saturday night where there was a game on the last game where the Sox beat the. Uh, the Doyers, you know, being a Brewers fan, I'm not a huge uh, Dodgers fan. Obviously Manny's not a very liked person in, uh, in Milwaukee. I hear right now. So it was, it's very uh, strange energy surrounding Boston. Who knows? Maybe it's going to happen. It looks like it will. It's probably not going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. All right. We won't talk about the curse. So yeah, back to the image. One of the things you see is this bird sitting on this, T-shaped perch here and it's fair to say that the mass transit system is called the T in Boston. So I used to take it all the time, the red line actually. That's probably significant in some way. I'll just point that out. It's in the same shape as the logo that you see for the the mass transit in Boston, the T sign. So there's this falcon sitting on the perch there and there's a very strange uh, there's like a bubble by his head. And then just to the right of it near some part of the sleeve hanging down there's a another bubble i thought i'd point out that there's some interesting coincidence about that if you look at the puzzle in the sense of having some wordplay to it which we know it does in in other instances so the bubble is by the beak of the bird of course one of the main streets that runs through this area that everybody's very focused on here in boston is beacon street you'll notice that right near Charlesgate Park and Fenway Park in this same area where Mother's Rest is and what leads into Back Bay Fence is this same intersection shape On Beacon Street, it's actually where Beacon Street meets up with Charles Gate Park. Is that of interest? Probably. You might want to check that out. I'll post some pictures. George is is looking at them as we speak, so he can comment, but I'll I'll post them up, and you can see some similarity to what's going on here with some of these shapes and uh, possibly some wordplay going on. You concur with some of that wordplay stuff? You think it's going on?
0: Maybe, maybe not. It's not clear enough for me to say, yeah, that's definitely what's going on. Yeah, the T the subway. I mean, the subway systems. look It's what is
1: clear in this puzzle. There's the very little. You, know, is you clear. know what's clear?
0: The fence posts in Chicago. That's clear. Those columns in Cleveland. That's clear.
1: What if those are the only two? What if the rest are harder?
0: I mean, the Gallier Hall dude's pretty clear. Uh, those two C's. Those are pretty clear. That rock in St. Augustine's pretty damn clear. That intersection's pretty clear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two. Two sure angles. all right (laughs) no i mean i I get it i get it i guess i just um i don't know it's hard to differentiate the problem most people have with these is what's a clue and what's not palancar is a weird painter man he paints weird shit and they're amazing paintings i love them but they're weird like if you look at a palancar painting that's not Related to the secret, you're going to see all kinds of shit in there. That you're going to be like, that's a clue for something. No, it's really not. It's just how Palencar paints.
1: Well, let's just look at the fact of what are these bubbles supposed to be? Why would there be bubbles in there? Um, just for the sense of it, it is a puzzle. Yeah. Things are supposed to represent certain things, especially things which are out of place. Why is there a bird there?
0: I mean, everything's kind of out of place. Why are there cracks in the wall? Why is there a star? why is there a moon?
1: Well, that's another good point. You know, the star and the moon needs to be brought up too. Why is the you know, what is that for? Why is there a giant circle window?
0: I don't know. Are all those things clues or are they just Palankar's weird style? It's what keeps us arguing and it'll keep us arguing forever until these things are found. I don't know if you're contracted. How
1: m- I guess I do know, but h- how much style do you interject into Where do you differentiate? Where do you apply your style, I guess, is what it is, because if there's certain things that need to be in there, clues, is it a really a style choice or is
0: it a clue? There should be a way to differentiate, I would think. I look at the San Francisco painting specifically. It's what I'm talking about right now. They've got all the weird mountains with the voids in them, right? And everybody's like, well, the voids and the mountains have to represent these shapes or whatever. This void matches this. You know what I'm talking about? The blue voids. Yeah, yeah. Where people are like, this is a lake, or this is part of Golden Gate Bridge, or whatever. Sure. And then there's another Palancar painting where he paints the exact same mountains with the exact same voids. And you look at those voids, and you're like, whoa, these must be a clue for something, too. But no, they're not. It's a painting not related to a treasure hunt. It's just how he paints mountains. What I'm torn with now is now that I'm I'm looking at a lot more Palancar art, what I'm trying to do is look at the way he paints things normally versus how he painted things in The Secret, hoping that I can pull out what is and isn't a, a, a clue, if that makes sense. And there's just so many things that we've looked at these puzzles and said that's obviously a clue. That's just kind of the way he paints things.
1: I don't know. I guarantee you you're not going to be able to find them all. You know, what if he said there's... Fifty clues in each painting. But why would there
0: be 50 clues in each Would you be surprised? I wouldn't. I think a lot of these things that we're, we're saying are clues just aren't. I really think in each painting, just like the guys in Chicago, you really only need like five things. In 1981,
1: you only need like five things. In this day and age, you have to figure out what the hell's going on to be able to figure out where to be.
0: But if we look in Chicago, and people have studied Chicago Like mad trying to figure out some sort of pattern, right, between Chicago and Cleveland. We've found tons of patterns. But we haven't found that much new stuff in the images. We just haven't. I found some new stuff. Have you found 50? No, not 50, but I also have a life. There's... (laughs) But there's there's maybe like 10 important things in the Chicago painting, right? 10 things that lead you to the treasure. None of them are hidden faces and patterns. Well, no,
1: there's not hidden faces and hidden words that you need to figure it out. But what I'm saying is time is not on our side. So the best thing is to try and interpret what these things are and possibly... Some of this stuff is interrelated to the verse or the puzzle itself, and it's not even stuff we should be looking for on the ground, such as the land by the window or some of these other clues that are self-referential. Right, right. And there's a lot of cryptic things going on in this verse. Yeah. It's not easy just say that
0: you don't say
1: (laughs) yeah right the woman in the image is holding a box okay and on the front of the box there's what looks like this castle with maybe a moon rising over the top of it and then some interesting curly q lettering and like a little design on the left hand side of it there's a few things that this could represent. And there's all kinds of theories. Boston is one of the most interesting puzzles because the theories that are out there are pretty varied and they're all pretty original. I'm taking a lot of this stuff from things that have been out there for years, and I'm putting some of my own stuff that I've found in with it. There's a lot of interesting theories and I'll try to cover the different angles on each of these clues that different people think what they are but if you really want to get into reading uh, an interesting theory for uh, any city boston is a good one because they're all very very interesting
0: and very different like people's opinion of boston it's you either follow everyone and you end up at Charles Gate, or you go way off like everyone else is just completely different places it's crazy it's interesting to read where some people think that boston is like how some people interpret the verses, it's, it's, it's all over the place.
1: That's why I'm not even going to attempt to try and do the same thing that we've been doing on the other podcasts with it, because I could take you down one path that would lead you towards the uh, the Charles River with a bunch of image matches there. I could take you down another path that leads you towards the Victory Gardens and the, the World War II Memorial. There's another one that leads you to Charles Gate, and it's all based on interpretation. To this point, I don't think anybody's had any kind of solid... Uh, there's been solid theories for certain things, but no one has really made that much of a cohesive connection to reading the verse out like, you know, stereo instructions. They're just, it's, it's kind of all over the place.
0: You know what really blew Boston apart? The greatest clue that we've had for Boston was in the Japanese translations. The hint for Boston was, if I give you a hint of any of the verses, it will give it away. <laughs> you will know the location if i tell you any hints i mean i'm paraphrasing but that's basically what he said like if i give you a hint on this verse i'll give it away which tells me all of the verses are connected all of them because if you give me a hint on one line i'll know what the rest of them mean well that blew boston up it's no more it can't be let's start here let's go somewhere else because if If I give you the start, that doesn't tell you where the end is.
1: If you just try to read the verse like a step-by-step instruction, I don't think it works that way either. I do think that the image contains maps and leads you to a certain point. That's, you know, my belief. I don't think that it's prudent to try and read the verse as step-by-step instructions. I think there are clues hidden in them, and there's probably a set of instructions of where you should dig hidden in them, but... Yeah, I don't think you can read it from go start here to go to here. I've tried that. I've, you know, I've successfully been able to come up with a Cleveland explanation of, of how the verse does that. And I don't know if it's right or wrong. <laughs> so I it's not something I can really put any amount of confidence in at this point, when you start to get really deep into all of these and you try to look for patterns, you see similarities, but not exact patterns. So it really gets to be a problem trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong. As far as this picture goes on this box, there is uh, one of the most famous buildings in Boston is Trinity Church. It's on Clarendon Street. It's a very iconic building. It's right next to the John Hancock building, which is a giant green tower. Some people feel that that's a, a solution for one of the verse lines and it has uh, these conical-shaped spires going up to the top and some similarity to that on the box, but not anything more than just kind of the shapes of those. There's also another explanation as to what this image on the box could be, and that is a building that's not even in the United States. It's in England. It's the home of a guy named Horace Walpole. The building or castle, as it is, is called Strawberry Hill. This guy, Horace Walpole, he wrote a lot of letters and in one letter that he wrote to a guy named Horace Mann, there was an uh, excerpt from that that said, The next Augustan age will dawn on the other side of the Atlantic. There will perhaps be a Thalidocles at Boston and a Xenophon at New York. This is believed that this quote was taken and kind of rearranged in the beginning of the verse here. So anyway, that's the home of Horace Walpole, where those letters originated from. And I believe that at some point they were on display at the Boston Public Library, or maybe they are, or maybe there's some kind of connection there. I'll have to research and find out. It was just something I overheard. But those letters could be referenced also later on in the verse. Some people feel that there's a connection there. So, there's this castle here, and I'll post a picture of both the uh, Trinity Church and the castle, and you can kind of take a look because there's been talk about both of them online.
0: I just got to give you props for pronouncing those names correctly. (laughs) That's crazy. I'm impressed, man. I really am. Thalitocles and Xenophon? Yes, yes. I could never do that. No.
1: They just say T and X. It's easier that way. Yeah. The woman in the image has her hair flared out in a way that is a strong resemblance to the way Boston Harbor is set up. If you look at a map of Boston, you'll see what I'm talking about. On the right half of the painting where it does this hair flare thing, if you look in the negative space, there's kind of like a blue highlight, and it comes around into the negative space of the hair flaring out. It kind of resembles almost a skyline or something in there. People have been trying to match that up for a long time and have been very unsuccessful i don't know if that's maybe the hancock building in there uh, some kind of skyline view of boston there appears to be two spires and you know a shorter building and a very tall building and then you know another shorter building next to it and some other stuff so feel fair to point that out do you see anything else in that hair there seem to be possibly a lot of hidden things in there i i can't see too much more than what i've just pointed out but perhaps you have a different take on it
0: there's a fairy in the hair. I don't know if you saw that. She's holding a gem. <laughs> it's green. Yes,
1: yes. We'll get to her in a second here. If you look on the dress, George, there's this crazy pattern outline, like swirly, curly cue thing with leaves and stuff hanging off of it. Probably looks a lot like the thorn bushes that you were in
0: recently. Not nearly as pointy. I wonder how interesting it is for people to hear us describe an image. That's why they have to log on to the
1: Facebook page, The Secret Podcast, and you can see all the images of the things we're talking about. But, uh, yeah, you know, they probably just laugh and and yell names at the
0: radio. This painting is, it's blue. It's a blue painting with a girl in it. (laughs) And she has black hair. This woman, no, she has orange hair. It says,
1: dig in Boston, really big. (laughs) There's an X. You can't miss it. So if you look at this dress, there's kind of a backwards S in it, and who knows what that means. There was one user, I think his name was Lewis, that had figured out that in one of the illustrations... That the word Boston was spelled out.
0: Oh yeah, in the it's like the first image in the book, right? It's on the flyleaf. You open the book. Yeah, it's pretty close to the beginning. Second and third page. There's like an elf sitting on a, or I don't know what the hell he is. Somebody's gonna correct me and say it's not an elf sitting on a like a pillar. And his hair pretty... Does he have a shovel? He does have a shovel. Probably supposed to be our author. And it's super interesting that he's sitting on the pillar with his back to the fence.
1: Very interesting. So that has been pointed out as well, that there uh, is that connection. And if you look at that illustration, you'll see some of the same curly Q kind of stuff that's going on in the body of the dress here. And it's kind of like, it almost looks like an embossed... Image that's coming out of there. And if you take a look, you'll see some of that same curly Q writing up in the top left hand side of the box that she's holding, the, the Pandora's box thing, as some feel that there's a, a painting that. Yeah, represents that. I don't think it's uh, the Rosetti, though. I, I think there's the Waterhouse painting clearly represents the, the way the hands are holding that box, if you're into that theory, by the way. The writing on the front of the Charles Gate building, which is right, it's on Beacon Street, it's right across the street from Charles Gate Park. It has some of the same curly Q kind of design going on, and there's a whole lot of similarity to the lettering and the way it's formed on the facade of this building above the arch here you might want to check into that that's you know right across the street basically and around the corner from the the two C's that everybody likes to dig at which also was featured in the documentary by the way
0: that was like an extra that he posted on his website where they were digging where many many people have dug before and that one little corner right? right
1: exactly between the two
0: that thing has a perpetual hole in it i'm not sure how they keep earth in that little area in between those two seats, it's
1: an interesting area because there's a lot of image matches there. But I, we just don't know how much stuff is in this image. There is a lot of stuff. Sure, you find three or four things because that's a lot compared to some of the other sites. But and there are there
0: are a lot of image matches here. But there's a lot of stuff in this image. It's only interesting if you ignore the verse. Like there's no absolutely no way you can dig in that corner and be following the verse. There's no, just no, not. It
1: doesn't work. It doesn't really work. And
0: we'll get to why, I'm sure.
1: There's a lot of problems with that solution. But, I mean, for the back in the day, and that's so old. That's a very old solution. So back in the day, I'm sure the first people that went to dig there thought they were going to find one from what they, everybody knew at the time. There's three blue-colored globes in the bottom right of the painting. The one that is on the spindle there that kind of looks like a classroom globe some people think is supposed to be representative of the paper, the Boston Globe. One of the globes in the bottom right-hand side is actually sitting on sort of a pedestal, which might be represented in something we would see. Uh, It almost looks like the top of a... Uh, something you'd see at a barber shop or a police station maybe, or maybe a crystal ball sitting in a uh, in a holder. So it's some kind of shape down there in the bottom right hand corner. And some of the uh, people think that they're very representative of these round lights that you see right across the street from the Charles Gate building in the park there where those the double C's are, where everybody likes to look. Okay, now it's time to get to your ferry that in the hair, the one that I missed.
0: You know what? I do think is a weird hidden clue that not many people can that you need a magnifying glass to see. It's that four leaf clover in the wing. That four leaf clover is in so many paintings. Like, why are there four leaf clovers in these paintings? What do they have to do with each other? There's one in the Roanoke one as well. Yeah. There's one in another one too. I don't, it's like, why are they there? Those are good questions to ask. Those are the things people should be looking at. And they're so hidden. I've always said this, and people agree, people disagree, I don't care. The Cleveland flower and the Montreal flower, they share the same design. And the Charleston flower, too. The petal design, they're all kind of the same. They follow the same pattern. Like, Why do they follow that pattern? What's the big deal about that particular flower? What's the big deal about
1: this four-leaf clover? There's a lot of questions about this stuff. There's this small fairy that's holding the gem with her arms and the gem is making a very strange, if you look at her arms and the gem together, it makes a strange shape. It's almost like the top of a building that might be a diamond shaped building, like the kind that are lower on one side and higher on the other. Looks like the top could be a top of a skyscraper or something like that. The hands going at that 90-degree angle to the right and coming up it looks a little strange to me, and the four-leaf clover. I don't see anything else strange in that i don't know if it's supposed to represent something or not or if it's just you know if there's a clue hidden in it or what it is but those are the things that i see out of that have you seen anything with the dress has anybody pointed out anything else about that
0: the lady's right sleeve is a little weird the way it folds it doesn't fold naturally but i don't know oh yeah Okay. That's probably just another one of those weird stylistic choices. Who knows?
1: We're pointing this out for all of you. You can research this, however you, maybe you'll look at that and go, oh, yeah, that looks like that thing by Tommy's house. So who knows? You know, this is, we're just pointing out what we see and what we think are things. Our our theories are just being thrown out for kind of a quick start guide. But you do your own research. Our solutions or theories of solutions on this don't count for this
0: episode. Fucking Tommy stealing all the treasures.
1: Hey, Tommy, why don't you get your shine box? <laughs> <laughs> so the verse, we get into the verse now, and this is where it gets extremely hard and, as George says, unfun. The first line is that line that we spoke about earlier. Uh, if the, the, the ah.
0: Can't do it now. <laughs> now I, I can't see you. Write, yeah. The Lydocles is north of
1: Xenophon. That's the first line of the verse. And that's taken from that Walpole letter, or at least a, a very close version of it, some people feel. Or from the Boston Public Library. Right. There's the Boston Public Library. And people have pointed out that it says these two names on the facade of the Boston Public Library.
0: They also says those two names on the wall at Cleveland. The interesting thing about the Boston Public Library is there, the Lytocles is not north of Xenophon. He is north in that he is higher in the list, but he's not north of Xenophon. You have to go to the letter. The letter says there will
1: perhaps be a Thalidocles at Boston and a Xenophon at New York. So he's tying the two together, one with Boston, one with New York. So if you look at the building, the front of the building, you'll see that the word Boston of Boston Public Library is actually written on the facade to the right of where you see T and X. If you look to your left, there's a street sign which was there in the 70s and is still there today, which is the highway entrance, and it says really big letters, New York. So here we have this uh, interesting clue with some interesting twists to it. Now you have a direction north and south running across the front of the Boston Public Library, and you have a something that says new york in one spot and something that says boston in another spot
0: yeah that's a little too coincidental to to dismiss take it from there you check
1: that out see what you think it might mean because the next line of the verse says take five steps in the area of his direction and i like the debate that was kind of going on about this recently where it's really depends on what You interpret the word his as being. Is his supposed to be Thalytocles? Is it supposed to be Xenophon? Or is it supposed to be Walpole? And what could that possibly mean in front of the Boston Public Library? Here we go. Right now, you can't really follow this from the first four lines on, really. You you could interpretly follow it. You could go five blocks in one direction, and you could get to an area where you, you will see some image matches. You could take five steps and look for a tower, which it says in our next line. It's an instruction. What do you think? Uh, what is his, George? I don't know. What is, how are we supposed to
0: read this? I don't think you ever have to go to the library. I just think you have to know it's there. I think his means towards the library.
1: Okay, that's an interesting theory. So his means towards the library, but you're going to be somewhere else for some reason. Maybe the image has led you to some certain spot. Maybe, you know, some other verse clue has led you there. So that's a that's an interesting way to look at it. You'll need to take 5 steps in the direction of the library at some point, but you shouldn't be at the library when you're taking the 5 steps. All right. We have a green tower of lights in the middle section. This sounds like it's a descriptive line for something. Are we supposed to see this on the ground, perhaps? Uh, Some have referred to the lights at Fenway Park as a solution for this. There's also light poles all over the place. There's a light pole at Charles Gate Park that has lights in the middle of the pole there's some stuff down by the Charles River that can match up the same way. I don't know what this line's supposed to represent. Obviously, you're going to see a green tower. Some people think this is the line that refers to the John Hancock building. I don't know where you're going to see this green tower of lights, what it's supposed to be. Is it an icon? Is it something you see along the way? Is it small? Is it big? I don't know. It's just there. There's a lot of things it could be that we found, but we don't know what, You know, again, no one's really strung together a cohesive path that makes a lot of sense on this one. So we found all kinds of things in Boston. They found all kinds of interesting things by Paul Revere's house. You know, Some of the same uh, squiggly decorations that you see on the uh, on the image. It certainly does seem to be a descriptive thing that we're supposed to find or be able to see. And then we have the next lines near those. And it's strange how he will use two words to make a line in this one. It's very, very drawn out. Those of you who are looking for acrostic and letter puzzles and uh, other things that have to do with stretching a verse out longer than it needs to be, you know, who knows what he's doing by drawing this out. But these are three separate lines. Near those who pass the Colosseum with metal walls. He likes to do this. He does this in St. Augustine. He says, near men with windrows. So now we have near those who pass the Coliseum with metal walls. So now you have to figure out who those are, uh, which Coliseum. We assume he's talking about Fenway. Fenway Park is only a block away from Charles Gate Park, and Charles Gate Park and Mother's Rest and Back Bay Fence, it's all one area. It's kind of like Cleveland, where you can get to the cultural gardens by walking along that parkway. You're not necessarily in the gardens three miles away, but that park continues all the way into there. It's sort of like that. Once you're at Charles Gate Park, you're at Mother's Rest and Back Bay Fence. It's all connected along that river. This area is not but a block away from Fenway Park. I mean, that makes sense. I think a lot of people agree on that one. Yeah. Again, we can find little areas, but, you know, any kind of cohesive structure to this thing is... Now we have face the water with your back to the stairs. Again, it seems to be that we have some directions on what to do here. I put this in the same category as take five steps, line above the one we were just talking about, the library one, take five steps in his direction. Since there appears to be water in both parks in the area, perhaps these are just literal instructions that he wants us to do is face the water with our back to a set of stairs. However, if you like wordplay, there's another way you can interpret this, and that's if you do happen to start at the Boston Public Library and you feel that's where you should start, and then you take five steps by walking five blocks towards the river... You'll find that there's a street there called Back Street. And along Back Street is where you'll find all of the staircases that go over the parkway that take you into the park across the street from there. There's that amount of wordplay going on. If you want to believe it's there, there's even something that you can solidly check out that fits with that. Again, Back to square one, basically. Face the water with your back to the stairs. There's a place in Charlesgate. There's actually two or three places in Charlesgate Park where you can do that. And there's tons of places all throughout the Back Bay Fens area that, at the World War II Memorial, where you'll find a statue that resembles uh, the woman in the image. There's a place where you can face the water with your back to the stairs, and I'm sure there's other things to see there, too. I haven't, have not been to that area to research the Rose Garden area and the World War II memorial, but there's some interesting image matches going on from overhead maps. Seems like simple instructions could possibly be a riddle. Who knows? And then you have one that's certainly a riddle. It says, feel at home. Do you think this is a uh, way of saying Mother's Rest?
0: There's a very specific highway. In Boston, where plastered all over that highway back in the day used to be these signs that says, if you lived here, you'd be home by now.
1: So you think there's that? Could it be uh, a riddle for a place you're supposed to stand or be or look for something? Who knows? It doesn't seem to be any kind of straightforward instruction. You don't need to feel at home to uh, accomplish what you're trying to do. That's another line that needs to be. Figured out, and maybe it's attached to the next two lines, which are all the letters are here to see. So now you have letters. You're supposed to look for letters. Does this mean the letters from Horace Walpole? If you figured out that part, then you're supposed to know what that means. Does it just mean a bunch of letters on a wall? Uh, do, you know, who knows? What does it mean? All the letters are here to see. Would you, what do you think? You're going to walk in and see a bunch of letters, George? What's
0: my feeling with that is all the letters are here, it's two C's two C's. Nice. George Ward, ladies and gentlemen. That's good. I
1: like that. That's really good. I've never heard that before. Did you, is that yours or did you find that somewhere?
0: I have no idea, man. I don't even know anymore.
1: I think it's great. All the letters are here two C's. So two C's. So again, Charles gate, uh, circle, who knows? 18th day, 12th hour. Now, wasn't there something in the hints about this at all or no?
0: Yeah, so the Japanese hints, not only did they give you actual hints, but one thing they did was for the verses, they picked out the keywords, the words you need to focus on. And the only two words that were picked out were 18th and 12th. That was it. Day and hour, they weren't words you needed to focus on. You needed to focus on 18th and 12th.
1: Again, some kind of puzzle going on. This is going to be a very, very interesting one. Lit by lamplight. Does that mean the uh, Paul Revere ride, which 18th day and 12th hour seems to correspond to as well? Who knows? It, It might mean that the place is lit up with lamps. The Charles Gate area has lamps all around it. There's other areas of the two parks we discussed that have lamps all around it. Uh, that's for you to decide as well. I, I don't know how to interpret that. It, you could literally interpret it three ways, really. If you look at the image and see the light coming out of the box, then you could interpret it a third way, which involves the image. So, again, an extremely vague, vague verse here, and you, it really seems like you are supposed to know what you're doing to interpret this.
0: I'm going to throw that in with the uh, middle of 21 in New Orleans, and 10 by 13, I bet you got to count something. I bet you've got to align yourself. Like, if those two words... 12 and 18 lamps, who knows? Yeah, if those two words are picked out as the hints, it's obviously important. I bet there's something there you have to count. That's a way to align yourself. Probably trees. It's
1: probably trees. You know that. Alligators. It's always trees and alligators. This whole thing is full of trees and alligators. And thorns.
0: Many, many thorns.
1: In truth, be free. That's bullshit. This is not easy. In truth, be free. Is that like his funny? He's like, oh, they're never going to solve this anyway. I'll just, in truth, be free. I think it's, it's a, is it a quote from some kind of uh, Paul Revere historical thing? He likes to do that too. Maybe it's a monument somewhere. He likes to do that. Maybe it means nothing. Maybe it's like hush. Okay, it's just a way to end the verse. Well, the hush thing can be attributed to something, though, even. Yeah, it it could could be. Same thing here, in truth be free. Is this just, you know, is this Boston-speak? Is this colonial-speak? It sounds like
0: something that might come from a book to me. Maybe just a way of telling you to look for where freedom or truth is important when you're,
1: you know, who knows. James Renner did say that that place was kind of encumbered with homeless people. The Charles Gate Double Circle area.
0: Well, I mean, homeless people are free. They're not tied down to anything. In truth, yeah,
1: they are free. That's the truth. That's the truth, brother.
0: <laughs> so where do you think, like, I mean, I mean, we can't just talk about, you've got to give people something. Where do you, where do you think it is? Where, where are you leaning towards? I had
1: one spot that I thought it was strange that nobody had checked it, which is if you go to the end of the Charles Gate Park area all the way to where it hits, I think it would be Com Ave or something. I think it's Commonwealth Avenue. If you go all the way to the end there, there's this little building which has a, a pointed roof. We've researched it back. It was there in the 60s. It's got all kinds of like switching boxes with numbers and letters and stuff on it. I mean, it's a very interesting piece. It's kind of off just towards the fence towards where Com Ave is. And it's got a staircase going off the side of it that faces Com Ave, and you could. Theoretically, stand with your back to those stairs and face the water, which would be right in front of you. And there's, you know, there's a place to dig there. There's also a spot that was pointed out down by the Charles River that seemed plausible because there were some image match things going there, but more importantly, some verse matches. But I don't seem too certain about either one of them anymore. If you look around Mother's Rest and Back Bay Fence area, especially the Victory Gardens and the World War II Memorial, there seems to be a lot of stuff that opens up into potential, hey, you know, we should really examine this more, that I've kind of thrown what I thought were solid theories years ago away and just kind of kept them in the back of my mind. I I really can't place it anywhere. I mean, I can place that area by Fenway and Charles Gate Park and Back Bay Fens and Mother's Rest as, yeah, that's, that should be of high interest. I don't see if, that it could be anywhere else but in that area, but it's a big
0: area. A lot of people have been talking about Mother's Rest recently, which I find odd because I guess an important piece of information people should know is the Mother's Rest steps weren't put in until like 91. Did you know that? They're fairly new. So, that can cut that out. There's a park called Paul Revere Park, right? It's got this gorgeous spiral staircase that comes, like, down one level. It's probably, you know, 30 stairs. And once you come down the spiral staircase, you dead end at Water Street. If you go up five steps and look to your left, there's a giant lamppost. If you turn around and look across from the stairs at Water Street, there's there's a monument that's just a bunch of... It's like a mosaic... Made of tiny little letters, it's crazy how how well this place matches. And it wasn't built until two thousand one. Like before then, that place was an industrial wasteland.
1: It's uncanny how we see that in in a lot of these. I really don't know what to make of it. I've researched all around Boston. I sort of knew the downtown area where this is supposedly taking place in pretty well from taking the mass transit through there. But I've never driven. Are you well? First of all, you don't want to drive around Boston. You really don't, unless you're from Boston. Just don't drive. Call an Uber or something, but I was looking around the area. There is so much historical stuff in Boston. And if you want to talk about Paul Revere and some of the things that he's alluding to in this verse, there's a lot of stuff you can see and check out. There's a ton of image matches and they're kind of all over as well. If you look at that World War II memorial by the Rose Garden there, which matches the shape of the woman and the stone circle above her head, there's a ton of stuff to see there. There's steps and there's water and all kinds of other things. And who knows what else is written on a lot of those monuments that are out there. And maybe that thing was built in ninety-one too. I don't know. So that could throw that whole theory off. But there is a statue there that has uh these wings that spread out in kind of the same way that JJP interpreted her hair spreading out like that. So I've seen a lot of new stuff and seen a lot of arguments within our group recently that make me want to uh believe that there's a lot more to uncover yet on this one.
0: I still think it's simple and I think The people who have been digging at Charles Gate have been right and very, very wrong. I think they're in the right place. They're just ignoring the entirety of the verse, the whole verse. They're just throwing it out the window because that little corner where it seems appropriate to dig, where nobody could see you or whatever, ignores the entire verse, all of it but I'm 100% that that's in the right place.
1: I think as people get more into it, they start to see these things and they start making more logical choices. And if you're into working on this stuff, there are Facebook groups, which we've created and maintain for each of the cities. And there's a main podcast page and just a main page where every, it's kind of like a
0: lounge where everybody just talks about everything. I don't even
1: know, is that the specific Houston group? It was at one point. It
0: was at one point And then everybody sort of, took it over, I feel really bad for those guys. I think they've set up their own Houston group now, though, which, you know, more power to them. Their page got destroyed when Expedition Unknown came out, because it wasn't labeled a city. People were just like, oh, this is the main page, right. and that's what it became. <laughs> there's several pages, but you can find ours by going and searching
1: for Shh. The Secret Podcast. That's S with three H's after it, The Secret Podcast, and you'll find our main podcast page, and then all the pages which are linked to that page. So, I, I think there's 12 or 13 of them and there's a thousand users on there that you can bounce ideas off of and talk to about different things that you may have seen. Maybe you live in Boston and you're listening to this. You're hearing me talk about something and you're saying, hey, I think I know where that is. You can go to these places and and bounce these ideas off these people and work with them on trying to uh, uncover what they're trying to find and what George is killing himself through the thorns trying to find, the 10 remaining casts for this. And soon to be uh, one more that's gonna be uh, available to find. More details on that coming up next episode. Tune in next time for another edition of Shh, The Secret Podcast with your hosts, J.M. and Burnstyle. Available on iTunes.